With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. talking about Maurice Smith, but I'm sure we'll get it back and rolling and uh, get this show underway. I know we're uh, going to bring on William Redfish Barger here in a minute or two and get his take on that and the beginning of fall practice, which everyone was anticipating. And Nick Saban, as we said, was in midseason form uh, already, uh, ready to put the Maurice Smith situation to bed and talking about a little bit of the uh, who was out there for the first practice of five or six guys that are a little bit banged up and injured, no real surprises, uh, but a, a, a little bit of shuffling on that offensive line. Bozeman may have got some work at right tackle with the ones, uh, and uh, but uh, it's still very interesting, and I, I know I'll love to be ready to discuss it here in a minute. Thomas is efforting to each uh, William Redfish Barger now. Yeah, I'm, wor- I'm working on it. I'm getting him right now. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get him on the uh, – the Sunbelt Tents hotline, sorry for the rough beginning, everybody, but it's not our fault. Uh, we just had some technical snafus that we're working through, and we will uh, continue to talk Alabama football today. Everyone anxious uh, to uh, start this football season, no doubt about it, and uh, get it cranked. Alabama trying to repeat as national champions for the second time under Nick Saban. Came out number one today in the preseason poll of the coaches poll, and uh, uh, some people already, like Heather Dennett, shocker from ESPN, who wouldn't have a clue if she thought she could. Uh, she has already been taking pot shots at Alabama, saying that uh, she couldn't see how right now that uh, they uh, could be the number one team in the country. But like Andy Staples, not one of my favorite people also, but like Andy Staples said, uh, but they just keep winning all these national titles. And uh, that's right. And uh, and it's going to be tough for the Alabama to repeat, no question about it. But it is funny how the national media – they uh, they tend to uh, try to uh, get their uh, clickbait up and uh, their mentions up uh, by taking pot shots at the easiest to do so, and that is the University of Alabama and Nick Saban. Uh, when a lot of times uh, I've said that Alabama is the Darth Vader of college football. Personally, I like that role uh, being uh, despised by a lot of people because it just means they want to be your program and they want you to be good or, and they want to be as good as you are, I should say, and nobody has been able to uh, just – and even Pete Carroll couldn't do it at Southern California. Uh, even Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden would probably be the closest, but he didn't have to go through the meat grinder of the SEC. This eight-year run that Nick Saban is working on since 2008 is just simply amazing. Uh, and he, the consistency and performance and being in the middle of the national championship run every year is just uh, – it's unprecedented. And now we do have William Redfish Barger on the Sunbelt Sun Belt Tents hotline. William, 
I know you like uh, all the Bama Nation. You're glad that fall camp now is underway and already some uh, observations being made from the media viewing period that you're not going to garner too much from that. But good to see the tide back on the practice field. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, day one and, you know, people start trying to put out depth charts and, you know, Bo Scarborough's nicked up and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, I've always been under the um, – you know, kind of the the marching orders, you know, if Nick's not going to give the media, you know, full access, I really wish he wouldn't even give them the the 10 or 15 minute viewing period because, you know, so much disinformation gets put out. Um, You know, I've been to those practices and and seen how, you know, difficult it is to, you know, get an accurate read on what's going on and, you know, how the quarterbacks are, are, you know, just, you know, uh, just, you know, working and you know what the first team offensive line may or may not be it's just it's very difficult because it's so spread out um you know you're in the red elephant club drew you know how easy it is when you go to the stadium in a scrimmage environment um it's pretty easy to you know check the the boxes off you know who's doing what but you know like you said uh, i'm glad that it's here and uh you know We'll see what happens, you know, for the next couple of days. But, you know, once they put the pads on, uh, we'll find out who's doing what. We really will. And uh, you you can't uh, glean anything from uh, day one. Uh, You just want to see what kind of shape guys are in. Do they pass the eye test? And one guy that definitely did that the media saw today, William, and we know that he's going to be able to practice. Don't know yet if he's been fully cleared to play this season. If he has been, uh, many people believe he can win a job in the two deep. But that is the six foot seven, 330-pound Quan Davis from Meridian, Mississippi. No, and, and I think, you know, the, the way that you have to look at, at Raekwon Davis's situation is it's a, it's a blessing that he even got to, you know, come to Alabama this year. Um, you know, whether or not he gets to play, I think it's just a bonus. Um, I don't necessarily think that, you know, this, this team or this defense needs him uh, for this year. Now, if he is available and he is uh, rubber stamped to, you know, play this year, it's obviously a bonus. But um, just getting him on campus and having the ability to uh, let him work out with the team and do everything basically except travel, uh, with the team for, for, you know, road games or home games, you know, that lets him get developed by Carl Dunbar and Scott Cochran. Um, you know, that that's the, the kicker because that's when they're going to really, really need him, is, you know, uh, versus Florida State this time next year in 2017. But I think he was a guy that really stood out. And, you know, something that I saw um, on the Internet today, a guy that looked – you know, really, really good on the hoof, you know, that passed the eye test, uh, you know, was the, the number one player in the state of Alabama last year, Ben Davis. He certainly did, William. Uh, he looked very athletic in the drills. I watched some of that video. I watched a little bit of the quarterbacks, so you really can't glean much. You had Blake Barnett and Cooper Bateman in one uh, pairing, and then you had – uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, David Cornwell and the other. Uh, Nick Saban, uh, li- clarifying a little bit what I what the rumors we'd heard about Cornwell being injured, saying that uh, he's had a foot injury and missed some time this summer. 
had heard he had not participated in all the seven-on-seven. So we will see how that affects him and uh, from a repetition standpoint and what and uh, what the kind of chance he gets to win this job. The two scrimmages, of course, are coming up uh, August the 13th and August the 20th. The 20th, I will be uh, in Bryant-Denny Stadium for that uh, event. Looking forward to it, the second scrimmage of uh, fall camp and fan day, of course, uh, on August. August the 7th, where you get a chance to see an entire practice, and can uh, you're not going to see a lot of uh, teamwork and uh, nothing uh, uh, out of the ordinary, but you'll get at least to see everyone in drills and kind of see what kind of shape this team is in. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll definitely be there a week from Saturday for the first scrimmage. Um, you know, we can probably, you know, if you're going to be there the following Saturday, I'll probably sit that one out. Um, but but I think, you know, when, when you look at what this this team goes into, you know, fall camp with, um, you know, I think the defense is pretty much set in stone. Um, you know, those back end guys, you know, are all out there. Um, you know, you got the, the you know, Rubens the mainstay at inside linebacker, you got Sean Dion Hamilton or Sean Evans rotating at that other inside linebacker spot. Um, you know, whatever the pecking order ends up being with the defensive line, it's going to be an elite, you know, defensive line unit. Um, you know, when, when you start, you know, pulling away from it and looking at the position battles, which I think they're all on the other side of the ball with offense, um, you know, who's going to be the, the right guard? Uh, who's going to be the quarterback? You know, I saw, you know, one report on the internet today and, you know, it had our Darius Stewart basically being like a, a fifth or sixth option, um, you know, at the wide receiver unit. Now, that's why I think that these early reports are so, um, you know, dysfunctional, so to speak, for the Alabama fans because that, that's what the coaching staff does when they start fall camp. There's going to be, you know, so many different miss, you know, mismatched, you know, options out there. They're going to look at people you know, see if they're ready to play on that first-team unit. And, uh, you know, you're going to see some, you know, I don't want to call them erroneous reports because that's all they can do is report what they see. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here, uh, you know, on, on what are we at, August the 4th now, uh, you know, with the first practice and sit here and tell anybody with a straight face that, you know, Bradley Bozeman's going to be the starting right tackle or, or Dallas Warmack's going to be the starting right guard. That may happen, but I can promise you our Darius Stewart's not going to be the sixth wide receiver in the pecking order uh, for, for this team. And that is uh, completely correct. He he improved more than anybody last year. And one valuable part uh, that is going to endear our Darius to everyone is the toughness he plays with uh, and uh, the attitude, and, the, and he blocks so well from the wide receiver spot. He did an outstanding job of that last year, still made plays as a receiver, and uh, they, he's somebody that's going to get his nose dirty, and the coaches trust him now. Was much better the second half of the year with his hands and catching the football, and I think has a bright future, and I got to give you a lot of credit when he came out of Fultondale High School, William. Uh, you called it. You a lot of people thought he'd be a safety, including myself, but you saw him at the Alabama's camp as a wide receiver, and uh, were very impressed with his work, and thought uh, that he that he was definitely going to ha- have a future on the offensive side of the ball. Well, you know, Drew, I would compare him very uh, very favorably to uh, 
you know, a guy that's bounced around to a lot of different positions on both sides of the ball and, you know, has finally found a home under Jeremy Pruitt at safety. Um, you know, I think our Darius early in his career, you know, kind of bounced around to both sides of the ball before he finally settled in a wide receiver. Um, you know, and, you know, I think the comparison is, you know, to what's been going on with Deontay Thompson. You know, once they've left him for a full spring practice, um, you know, seven on seven through the summer at safety, he's had a chance to shine, and, and I think that's where he's finally settled in. And, uh, you know, you see this happen over and over again. I think the, uh, you know, the coaching staff, you know, kind of did the same thing with, with Anthony Averett. You know, he was a guy that was a, you know, a wildcat quarterback up in New Jersey um, when he was in high school. And, you know, he's a, he's a track star. He's got elite speed. Um, and I, I did. I felt like he was better with, you know, having the ball in his hand versus being a, an SEC quarterback, but, you know, that's why Nick Saban gets paid $8 million a year to be the, you know, the best defensive mind and head coach in college football. Um, you know, he's finally settled in over there, you know, at the cornerback spot. We'll see what he does, you know, with this fall camp. But, again, experimentation is not a bad thing. I think it provides some, you know, confusion for the fan base. But, you know, that's why these guys get paid all this money to be, you know, college football coaches, but that's that's their job is to is kind of test the waters with some of these elite athletes in different positions. And then before we uh, bring on Coach uh, Lane Rinks, uh, the defensive coordinator and D-line coach uh, from uh, James Clemens High School, William, what is your take on the Maurice Smith situation? Um, probably totally different than, you know, people outside of the Alabama fan base. I mean, you know, number one, um, there's always been a gentleman's agreement, you know, within the SEC um, amongst college coaches that, you know, you don't let – hang on one second. I got the mosquito truck driving by spraying for mosquitoes. Uh, you know, you don't let a player transfer within the conference – um, you know, back when I was playing, Drew, if you wanted to do that, then, you know, a guy that, you know, I personally saw, you know, go through this, um, and he was a, an all-SEC performer as a, as a true freshman at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, Chris Donnelly made the, you know, decision to leave Vanderbilt and come to Alabama, and he had to sit out two years uh, before he was actually allowed to play, uh, transferring from Vanderbilt to Alabama. But, you know, I think it's basically, you know, a hit piece uh, that's probably been orchestrated. Um, you know, make no mistake about it, whether it was Kirby Smart or Mel Tucker or Kevin Shearer or whoever. Um, there was some tampering there that went on with Maurice Smith. I mean, you know, how does Maurice Smith and his mother get the idea that they're going to be allowed to transfer from Alabama to Georgia? You know, they didn't cook this up on their own. Somebody in a position of authority at at Georgia planted that seed. You know, we can, you know, point the finger however we want to. Um, and, you know, of course, the media is going to try and paint the picture. Well, Nick Saban allowed, uh, you know, Chris Black to transfer to Missouri. No, he didn't. Um, Chris Black's transfer papers were filed 
during a point in time during the season where Nick Saban was kind of distracted and, uh, you know, had the opportunity where that thing kind of fell through the cracks. And Alabama didn't respond in a timely manner, and the transfer papers went through. You know, kudos to Chris Black and whoever helped him with that. Um, And, you know, that being filed the way that it was. But he did not allow Chris Black to transfer. The reason Chris Black got transferred to Missouri was from a paperwork snafu. And, you know, Nick Saban, you know, doing the job that he always does, being focused on next week's uh, opponent, and he didn't get a chance to, you know, respond until it was too late. So, you know, it's it's going to happen. You know, God knows that everybody wants to take a shot at, at Nick Saban in Alabama. You know, they're the kings of college football right now, and it's going to happen. But, you know, my, my message to Alabama fans would be just let it play out. You know, every time something like this happens, um, you know, things, you know, tend to happen and everybody ends up looking at Nick Saban and going, guess what, he handled it the way he should have. Uh, great uh, points there, William, as always. And now we're going to go to the Sunbelt Tent Hotline and bring on our first guest of the night. Uh, and uh, we're honored to be joined for the first time. I'm, I'm good friends with his uh, head football coach that he, he works for at James Clemens High School, Wade Waldrop, who's done an amazing job building that program in four short years. Uh, he's been with him throughout that ride and came with him from Chelsea High School, and that is the defensive coordinator and uh, D-line coach, uh, Lane Rinks. Coach Rinks, it's an honor to have you with us tonight. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I, first of all, I just want to say I got a chance to see you guys play about three times last year, and it was great. Just it was a, just a, uh, a great thing to see to watch your defense work, uh, to see eleven guys do their jobs, and it was by far the best defense I saw all year in high school football. And uh, I made that statement to many people, and I know uh, you guys had a, the best year in school history. Uh, got the first playoff win uh, ever over Hewitt Trustville. I know you weren't satisfied with how the season ended, but I guess the first thing is just talk about uh, the journey of this program and how it's developed in such a short period of time uh, under Coach Waldrop and yourself. Well, no, we weren't very happy with the way the season turned out at the end, but, you know, it gave us something to work for this off offseason. Um, you know, we got there. we got there a couple of years ago, three years ago, and uh, the year before we got there, they were 0-10 and, and played all freshmen and junior high players. And, um, you know, we went in there and we just kind of tried to develop a program with, like what you said, just a bunch of guys doing their job. And so that's been our mantra for the last going on four years is just do your job. And, uh, you know, we've got great players, a good group of kids, good mix of kids. You know, we've got highly intelligent kids and we've got a – good combination of highly intelligent and sort of salt of the earth kids. And it's been a lot of fun to coach and a lot of hard work, but, um, you know, it's probably the most coachable group of kids I've ever been around. And coach, uh, we're, we're going to bring William Redfish Barger in with you in just a second, but, uh, I know it, it's, uh, it, that's what, that was the thing that, that struck me when I was watching you interact with the kids and, of course, Coach Waldrop, they're a very, very coachable group. Uh, they've all played hard, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It seemed to be 11 guys doing their job and playing their assignment. 
and you know that 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 can be a chore at this day and time, especially uh, at a bigger school. You're in a seven A program, uh, but you guys, uh, I thought the amazing uh, part of your consistency was uh, besides the Bob Jones game, and you had I think five offensive turnovers in that game. Uh, your squad uh, did not give up more than 14 points in a game the entire season. Uh, besides that 27 you gave up against Bob Jones, that's a remarkable stat, especially in on all three levels of football from the, I'm t- from uh, high school, college, uh, and uh, the NFL. Uh, the, it seems to all be going toward the offensive side of the football, but you guys are, are playing uh, defense as good as well as anybody in the state. It's a great credit to you. And I know you have great players like LeBron Ray uh, and Monty Rice and, uh, of course, Kyrie McDonald. But uh, the thing that uh, struck me was you guys have, and I've already mentioned this, uh, really 11 really good players. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, all the guys you have played to start for you play in college. But that's, uh, that's just, that just goes to show the talent level on your team, but also the buy-in because you have everyone on the same page. Well, that's certainly a goal is to get all those guys to the next level. It's one of the goals, but – you know, like I said, our kids, you know, we've got a really unique group of kids who, you know, I, I believe we've, we've done, you know, on my side of the football, myself and uh, Coach Cy Ellis, who's been with us since the beginning, he's been a huge part of what we've done on defense and, um, you know, trying to develop a sort of a mantra of everybody doing your job, um, a highly competitive atmosphere and just not accepting losing in anything. Um, you know, we do have 11, you know, really good football players. And I'd say we've probably got, you know, on the team, we've probably got, you know, 16 or 17 really good football players who come and do their job every day, come to work every day. Um, and probably the most impressive thing and you know, the most satisfying thing about coaching those guys is, you know, they, they, they come to work for each other. They hold each other accountable. You know, I, I, Coach Walter probably said it earlier this week, but, you know, he said he heard it from somebody else that, you know, you feel like you've been successful as a coaching staff when your best athletes are your hardest workers. And, you know, we feel like that's where we are right now. And so right now it's just about getting those guys ready to play, keeping them healthy, developing some depth, and, you know, trying to go out and do what we want to do this football season. Well, Coach, I don't want to put you on the spot, but there is one particular player um, on your team that that has fascinated me for the last two years. And I want you to, you know, kind of – because I know you coach him, and I want you to talk about him specifically because I feel like LeBron Ray still has not figured out just how good he really is. Um, You know, you see him every day. (laughs) You coach him. Um, but in my mind, he, he is one of the top defensive ends in the country this year. And I'm not saying this because, you know, I think that maybe he possibly might, you know, end up at Alabama, which, of course, that's where my allegiances are. But I look at it from a guy like myself that's a former SEC offensive lineman. And, you know, he's got long arms. He's got explosive hands. He's obviously a great athlete, and I just, you know, me personally, and I want you to, you know, give me some feedback on this. I just don't think this young man really has realized yet just how good he obviously is <laughs> and what and what his upside is. Spend a little bit of time talking to us about LeBron Ray. You know, he's 
he's so hard to talk about because he's certainly to me he's one of a kind. Um, you should know about me. I, I was a walk on at Alabama, and so was Coach Ellis, and um, so he knows kind of where our allegiances lie too. But we want him to go where his. I, 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 I went to Coach. Him. Stop for a second. Tell me when you were a walk on and when Coach Ellis was a walk on at Alabama. Uh, we were walk-ons at the same time, actually. Uh, I was a walk-on from '04 to '08, and he was a walk-on in 2006, I believe. Okay, I was I was gone in '93, so I just I just wanted to make sure I passed <laughs> it and crossed. So go ahead. <laughs> but um, no, he knows sort of where our allegiances lie. But we try to stay as objective as possible with him, and you know, go where go where your heart tells you to go. And you know, would have liked to have seen him commit before the fall but you know he just he hasn't found a place for his heart yet and so um but I think you're right you know he he I don't know if he realizes how good he is he's you know he he, he doesn't say a whole lot he's the most coachable kid I've ever coached he um you know anything you ask him to do he'll do it right the next time um and he'll just say yes sir and he'll move on he's very quiet um and, you know, he's got a tremendous upside. I think that's why he's gotten so much attention this year, so much well-deserved attention, um, because just in the last year, you know, I was telling coaches the other day, um, watching him in practice this week, you know, he's better than he was last year. So he just continues to improve, continues to get better. Um, he's probably, you know, as good as he was last year, he's probably our most improved player on the team um, since last year. Um, in terms of speed and knowledge, you know, he did all this, did all of his camps over the spring and summer. Did the opening, got invited to Oregon, uh, got a lot of great coaching there, and just how responsive he is to coaching. He brought it back to James Clemens, and you know, he's he's turning heads to James Clemens for sure every day at practice. Well, coach, and I guess the reason why I've kind of focused on him for one reason, you know, he, he is the you know, the top-rated defensive lineman in the state of Alabama for, for this recruiting cycle. Um, I personally think he's one of the top five defensive end, you know, five technique guys um, in the country. What, what what do you think as a guy that coaches him every day in practice? Um, because I've always kind of had in the back of my mind that he's a guy that does have a chance to get that fifth star and, you know, you and I both know that's just something that's on paper. But at the same time, when I look at this guy, and I've watched what he's done at these combines and these camps, you know, going up against the best of the best, um, he's proved himself. Um, you know, he's he's got a very, very good body. Uh, what do you think LeBron Ray needs to do between now and let's just say the first week of January – when he goes to one of those all-star games, what do you think he needs to do to get that fifth star? Well, I've, you know, I've never coached a five-star player before in my time coaching. Um, I've, I'll steal this saying from my head coach. I heard him say it on the interview not long ago. You know, if he's not a five-star player, I don't know what one is. Um, he, he has – I, I, you couldn't ask him to do anything else. You couldn't ask him to look any different, have any kind of measurables different. He runs under a, he runs, uh, you know, a sub five forty. Um, he's extremely strong, agile. Um, he beats the best kids in the in the country 
as we saw at the opening. Um, you know, in terms of what he needs to do to get that fifth star, um, I wish I had an answer for you. I guess just go out and have a great football season. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know what else he could do. Um, he's, to me, like I said, he, if he's not a five-star, I, I don't know what one looks like. Well, I think that's an interesting, uh, you know, question because, you know, you've got him at defensive end. Um, you've got another guy, you know, playing the interior spot. You know, it's maybe a, a three-technique defensive tackle that's, you know, going to get some SEC, SEC attention. You've got Monty Rice at the linebacker level, and then obviously you've got, you know, Kyrie back there on the back end of that defense. Um you know, and that's kind of an embarrassment of riches at the high school level. <laughs> you know, it's it's a blessing to have, no doubt about it. As a coach, it's a blessing, and as a football team, it's a, it's a blessing to have. Um, uh, you know, we've, you know, we those three guys, LeBron, Kyrie, and Monty, they're getting a whole lot of attention this off season, and uh, a lot of well deserved attention, extremely well deserved because they're great athletes, they're great people, they're great in the classroom. Um, and they and they're going to go play their SEC football, no doubt about it. Um, but you know, we've got, especially within our box, within our four-two box that we've got, we feel like at every single position we've got guys who have, you know, answered the call, and they've, you know, for the last going on four years, they've done everything we've asked them to do, and they've turned into some really good football players. And I'll just name off a few: uh, John Jenkins, our Mike linebacker. Um, you know, he's got a Troy offer right now and, you know, he's, he's, he's able to go Ivy league and all that. Um, Jeremy Garth, our three technique, uh, he's got a West Alabama offer and is probably going to pick up a few more offers. Um, Michael Sharpley, our one technique who can stand up and play some stack backer for us. Um, you know, he's still waiting on some offers, but he's probably our most, what we would consider our destructive player for a, offense um and you know all those guys together you know they've bought in to one another and they've bought into what myself and coach ellis and coach waldrop try to try to teach them every day and they're highly competitive they uh they're great kids um you know they they love our program they do anything for our program and, um you know it's 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 great to have that um and it's you know it's i've, I've certainly never had it as a coach um it's it's been amazing to see those guys over the last going on four years go from where we were at two and eight and you know just hanging on for dear life um to slowly and surely through you know through a lot of hard work and over time turn into what we are right now but you know you know what we've we haven't this since we started football uh practice this week we haven't we haven't talked about the past you know we've We've been saying, you know, you're you're zero and zero right now. You haven't won a game. You've got a lot to prove. Um, you know, you could go out against Decatur in a, in about three weeks, or uh, Decatur in a couple of weeks, and Gardendale in three weeks, and wind up zero and two if you don't handle your business. And and you know, they've answered the call at practice. We've had, you know, three, four really good days of practice this week, and um, you just got to keep it going. And you know, I'm confident in those guys that they'll keep it going because they're really competitive. They're mature. You know, they're seniors now, and um, they've got, you know, they, they believe they're on a mission. So we're really excited about it. 
Well, Coach, let me ask you one more question. I'm going to turn it over to Drew. Um, the the one guy that I think is kind of the, you know, the the mystery player there for you. Um, you know, you've got a guy in Monty Rice. You know, I met him one time, and you know, this is just me eyeballing him. I would say he's six foot one, two hundred and thirty pounds. You know, I saw his results. Um, he ran a four six flat forty. Um, over at the Atlanta opening event. What do you think Monty Rice has to do to get himself into the conversation as being, you know, one of the top linebackers in in, in the country in this recruiting class? And I think he's a phenomenal football player myself. Well, I agree with you. He's a phenomenal football player. Um, You know, in terms of getting into that, breaking into that, elite group um i think you know since all the camps are over with all the combines and whatnot are over with um he's got to go out and and play great football he's got to be a playmaker you know his his greatest advantage and his biggest playmaking capability is running side to side across the field and if he can continue to do that and continue to take care of things in the box you know cause turnovers and be a great tackler um and make big plays um, you know, it's got to be done on film for me. I, I think that to, to break into that, to that, you know, that, that next level. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I believe he's already there. I believe he's already at that next level. Um, but in terms of getting that, that sort of arbitrary recognition, um, it would be doing that, which, um, you know, I, I'm excited to hopefully watch him do. And coach, uh, we thank you for joining us tonight. It's been an outstanding conversation, but, and I wanted to ask you about the one of the big three that is now uh, declared for a university, and that is uh, Kyrie McDonald. I had a chance to speak with him uh, on Monday following his commitment to Alabama. And, uh, and we talked to Coach Waldrop uh, on Tuesday, and, and we were marveling at just how far he has come in a seven- or eight-month time span because he was a unique story. He was, of course, uh, you guys worked with him since he was a freshman, but he did not get a big-time role in the varsity until last year, replacing his brother who walked on at South Alabama. But by midseason, uh, he was – LeBron Ray is the best uh, you know, prospect on your team, but you could say that, he, uh, that Kyrie McDonald was the MVP of your defense with the, all the plays he made via the special teams and defense – uh, the second half of last year, and the 10 non-offensive touchdowns he scored. Just an amazing year for that young man. And just talk about how you've seen him grow as a prospect and player. Kyrie's a great player. He's a great kid. You know, He's very intelligent. Um, he's very personable. Everybody likes him. Um, you know, one of the great things about Kyrie is, you know, I, I believe that if you were to talk about his efforts last season and all of his achievements last season, um, he knows and he would verbalize that um, most of those achievements wouldn't be possible without the other players on his team. Um, and, you know, all the interceptions and pick sixes and block punts. And, um, and he would also recognize um, his special teams coordinator, Coach Ellis, Coach Sal Ellis, um, because putting him in a great position to make all those plays. And, you know, he's a tremendous athlete. I think he's a great example of um, – you know, for a lot of high school athletes who wonder why they haven't gotten a lot of offers and a lot of looks, um, he's a great example of if you go out and make plays and you turn heads and you make explosive plays and and win games for your team, 
um, good things happen. And that's exactly what's happened to Kyrie because he's made explosive plays. He's been a really big-time player for us, and he was sort of Mr. Primetime last year for us and, um, and got him the Alabama offer. And uh, I can't wait to watch him down there play ball. Hey, I agree, Coach. I can't wait to see him as well. And I think it speaks for him. And, and you talked about how intelligent he is. Uh, being around the football as much as he was last year, eight interceptions. Uh, he took four back to the house. Uh, he blocked five punts. And then you brought up another great point. He went to Alabama uh, and basically uh, and earned the offer and made Coach Saban uh, pull the trigger on that by just continuing to perform. And uh, I know that people have said, you know, quote unquote, uh, he might ha- he might not have the great uh, the great elite speed uh, of the four four speed. He might be a four six, but I think instinct uh, and uh, plays a big part in someone's game. And uh, William played with I think the greatest corner to ever play at Alabama in Antonio Langham, uh, who I, he didn't blow up the forty uh, time either. He ran about a four six, but he n- always had a knack for being around the ball and making big plays. And I know you had a chance at Alabama during your time there. I know you uh, you remember Javier Arenas quite well, and he's drawn a lot oh, of yes. comparisons to Hoppy as a defensive player. What do, what about the, those comparisons and the kind of player? Just the way, just just talk about his instinct and what sets him apart a little bit. I'm not sure I've ever coached a more competitive player, and you can't replace that with you know, especially at that position. And he plays outside linebacker for us. I'm not sure exactly where. Coach Saban wants him to play, um, but it, you know, outside linebacker for us, you have to be extremely competitive. You you have to hate to lose, and you have to have a certain amount of grit. And he has he's probably the most competitive, the most gritty player I've ever been around. You know, if you line up on him, he's going to find a way to beat you. And that's, and I think you're right. That's why that's how he earned his offer at Alabama. Um, I would certainly compare him to Javier Arenas, sort of what what most would look at as like an undersized guy, maybe even a guy that would say, you you know, might not be the fastest or the strongest, um, but extremely competitive. Um, I would compare him playing to a guy like Landon Collins who just left. Um, you know, he's extremely physical with his hands. You know, he sort of made – he caught, you know, mine and Coach Ellis's attention uh, last year or preseason last year with the way he used his hands and the way he played against the run on the edge. Um and we just we said this is the most competitive, most athletic guy we got on our defense. We got to find a spot for him, and um, that's what we did. And and he just showed out after that because he's because of the kind of player he is. And I think he's going to just continue to move up in the rankings, and especially if he continues to make plays for your football team coach. And to close the conversation, let's kind of take a look at your team uh, and the schedule coming up. You've already made reference to the Jamboree against uh, the Decatur Red Raiders and Jerry Adcock, uh, which I believe you will host on August the 19th. And then the regular season begins with a big challenge. Uh, Coach Matt Plunkett and the Gardendale Rockets, a very potent offense and a big test for your football team defensively coming out uh, on the 26th of August. Yeah, the big challenge, I believe, for uh, us this year that's been different other years, um, maybe not last year, but um, is, you know, getting our players in the mindset that, you know, early in their careers, they were the team that you walked in and uh, people didn't think much of you. Um, And, you know, now with our uh, more recent success, you're going to walk into a place and stand across from a team and 
um, they, they're going to know they're going to have to do everything they can do to beat you. And so that's going to make every single game, every single week very important. Every single play, you're going to have to play your best. Um, coach Adcock's a great coach. He's going to he's definitely going to have his team ready. Um, they got some pretty strong weapons over there on offense. Uh, Gardendale, um, just looking at their film, they've got a lot of speed that we're going to have to cover um, that that are that that could give us trouble that we're going to have to get ready for. And you know, there's by no means in the first few weeks. And then after that, we have Bob Jones. Um, we know how good oh, they wow. usually are. Um, so we've got we've got a really tough schedule um, that every single week we're going to have to come ready to play. We won't be able to take a week off. Um, but again, it goes back to you know our kids being as competitive they are, just keeping them focused and you know um, keeping them every day at practice focused on what we want on what we need to do as a team. And um, and I I feel good about our team that we'll be able to do that. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And then. Uh, in the in the non-region uh, the week I like to call it uh, week five at Clay Chalkville. What a challenge that'll be against their potent offense. But coach, I got to tell you, I was uh, joking with Wade Waldrop about this. Uh, I really believe that that Bob Jones uh, James Clemens game, and it's already started to just draw the crowds. But this year, oh my lord, it may set a re- an attendance record that may not be broken in a while. Uh, I'm betting it's going to be about 10 deep around the fence, and you better get there two hours early if you want a decent seat. That is going to be a, just an amazing environment, uh, and it's a true credit to your, you and your staff, or Coach Waldrop and what you guys have done, and then with uh, Coach Rose at Bob Jones. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talent on that field, and uh, it's going to it's going to get. I think it should be the most high profile game in the state of Alabama, which is going to be great for this community here, as I'm uh, from Huntsville. Well, we're excited about it. And, you know, a lot of the credit goes to the players on, on both teams. There's some really great players on Bob Jones' team and, 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 on, and on our team. Um, last year was a really great game. You know, there was a, uh, last year there, were, there was standing room only, and we expect the same this year. So it will be a really great environment, and the kids are really buy into it. And, you know, I know right now all our kids want to do is win that one. Absolutely, Coach. It'd be some school history. Um, uh, just yet another feather in the cap of James Clemens if they could uh, get over the hump and beat the rival Bob Jones Patriots. But you guys have a chance to make a run at a state championship yet again, as you did last season. And you and your kids on defense will be a huge part of that. I think that you have a chance to be the best defense in the state of Alabama. We thank you for joining us. And we also want to tell you that uh, we congratulate you for the job you have done under Coach Waldrop and building that program up, and we look forward to hopefully speaking with you down the road. It's really been a pleasure to speak with you for a few minutes tonight on BAMS Radio. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Coach Rinks. That is Lane Rinks, the the uh, defensive coordinator and D-line coach of the James Clemens Jets, who's joined us. And uh, William, uh, he's built uh, one of the best high school defenses I've ever seen seen in person and I look forward to seeing them uh, this coming season and I know hopefully we'll get it you'll get a chance to do that uh this uh in the, in the in the coming weeks as well yeah I mean I think when you look at it Drew I mean when you look at the elite players that they have on the defense you know I have no clue what they've got on the offensive side of the ball but when you look at what they've got on the defensive side of the ball they've got at least two SEC caliber prospects um, along the defensive line, obviously you've got Monty Rice at linebacker. Um, you've got Kyrie back there on the back end. Uh, just, you know, 
how many points can somebody score on these people uh, when you start looking at the kind of talent they've got on that defense? Well, and i got to tell you, too, William, a kid he mentioned in the conversation, Michael Sharpley, uh, transferred from the Decatur program. They will play in uh, the Jamboree in, in the uh, week zero, as they call it. It will not count in the standings, but Sharpley, he compares to uh, maybe a – uh, and I'm not quite sure he's going to be on this level as far as a prospect because he's only around 5'10", but he will remind you of a Josh Chapman inside. And as uh, you heard Coach say, he's athletic enough that they do stand him up sometimes to play in the middle. I saw him uh, you know, grab an interception last year when I saw them play uh, and completely shut down an opponent. And he was really one of the MVPs of the game I saw that night and also, he was very disruptive against the Hewitt Trustville Huskies in their first-round playoff game in the mud. But uh, he, they, you're right. They have outstanding personnel. They have SEC guys on all three levels. And as Coach said, they're going to have some other guys signed collegiately as well. That defense with from, is just 11 strong. I don't really see a weakness on it. And I'm going to be interested to see. That Bob Jones offense is very potent, led by Kendall Randolph, who we're going to hear from in just a few minutes. I spoke with earlier this week, but I think this is the year James Clemens has a legitimate chance should they get good enough quarterback play to beat Bob Jones, but it's going to be quite a battle, and we're really looking forward to it. You know, I don't blame you because I think that, uh, you know, I've heard from, uh, you know, some SEC football coaches, you know, just how talented that, you know, nose guard slash, you know, three-technique defensive tackle prospect is. You know, that's lining up next to LeBron Ray. You know, you've got Monty mm-hmm. Rice at the next level, obviously Kyrie back there on the back end. Um, that That's, you know, you better produce when you've got those kind of guys, uh, you know, lined up, you know, in, in, in the first, you know, team guys um, that you're putting out there on defense. That they, They've got a lot of talented football players. And I think that's a – you know, another question, Drew, that, that you have to look at and, and how the the talent level in the state of Alabama shifts from Mobile to Birmingham to, you know, North Alabama. I think obviously in this recruiting class, obviously, you know, where you're at up there in Huntsville, um, that's where all the, you know, there's a there's safety over there in Florence um, that, that, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Auburn, is fighting over. There's a lot of good football players up there in that northern section of North Alabama this year. Uh, there really are. Well, William, man, we always appreciate your time and uh, you joining us on BAMS Radio tonight. Uh, we uh, It's been a smooth sell since you got on with us. We had a little bit of a, a technical issue to start, but Coach Rinks did an outstanding job, and we appreciate you joining us and, and giving us your take on Maurice Smith and the start of fall camp. We'll continue that conversation with you next week. And, of course, recruiting always continues to roll on. And uh, I know Coach Rinks uh, was, uh, enjoyed speaking with the both of us, and we look forward to connecting with him again down the road. And we hope to have uh, a special guest uh, next week, uh, the big tight end, who, uh, Kedrick James, who just committed out of the state of Texas, spoke with him tonight. He want, uh, he, uh, we, I'm hoping to get him uh, hooked, in, hooked in with us next week in the first hour of BAMS Radio. But have a uh, great rest of your week, and we'll be talking with you soon. Thank you, as always. Hey, man, always a good talking to you and Thomas. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And that's William Redfish Barger. 
And uh, Thomas and I, we've, all, we've taken one small break for a couple of minutes to re-crank everything in the first hour uh, to get BAM's radio running smooth, and the Wizard has done that. Uh, but we're going to take our, our only one of this hour uh, so we can set up this Kendall Randolph interview for everyone. We're going to bring that conversation to you in a couple of minutes here on BAM's radio. Stay with us tonight till 9 p.m., and I'm your host, Drew Armand with Thomas Watts. That was our third amigo, William Redfish Barger. We want to thank Lane Rinks, uh, our guest from James Clemens High School, for joining us. Great conversation. We'll see you in a couple. Always nice to have some prints on a BAMS radio Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Hope everyone is enjoying the show. I thought it was really quality. Lane Rinks, former Alabama walk-on. Did not know that. Uh, great information from Coach Rinks and telling us about his squad and a great defensive personnel at James Clemens High School. I want to thank William Redfish Barger for joining us. 
uh, on uh, this uh, in the first hour as always. Uh, great insight from him as fall camp has begun, Thomas, and and now we're going to have a chance to hear uh, from speaking of James Clemens, the other side of that rivalry, the Bob Jones Patriots, and another Crimson Tide legacy, Kendall Randolph, his brother Levi, of course, a great basketball player for the Crimson Tide. Uh, in the, the first academic All-American in, in Tide basketball history, now going to play in Italy with former teammate Retno Bothahan. They have signed with the same squad. Great news there for Tide basketball. But we wanted to bring you this conversation I had earlier this week on Talking Ball for our BAMS radio listeners tonight with Alabama commit now, Kendall Randolph of the Bob Jones Patriots. Real quick, let me do one little bit of housekeeping before we jump into this. Absolutely, go ahead. I just want to let folks know, um, if you've looked on the BAMS Radio website, bamsradio.com, looks a little bit different. Uh, our good good friend of the program, King Crimson, and uh, his, he and his guys at Howard Design Group are giving me a major assist. We're redesigning the website, trying to get it to work, You know, do a few different things, give it a little facelift, but it's currently under construction, so it doesn't look pretty yet, but I have absolute faith in King Crimson. Just want to make our listeners aware of that. And I want to briefly talk about the tailgate. Uh, happy to report that I've got the tailgate locked and loaded and give a quick tip of the hat to the Shelby County folks who we're working with to get our tent set up and provide some stuff. It's still going to be potluck style, so we are going to ask. You're, well, you're always welcome to come over, but if you'd like to eat, you know, like to drink with us, show up with, you know, if you're chips and dips or a case of Cokes or something, we'll figure it out. And uh, I'll be giving more information about that as we get closer. I've got to touch base with Big Head Chuck and Coach Jim Adams, who uh, they're really helping me with the tailgate stuff. But uh, like Drew said, I just I just wanted to uh, – little little housekeeping that I wanted to get to before we got back into more football talk. But I'm going to go ahead and let the Kendall Randolph audio roll. Spoiler alert, I did get to listen to the entire thing as I was cutting it up and getting it ready for BAMS, and it's some solid stuff. So uh, enjoy this conversation between Drew and Kendall Randolph. Kendall Randolph. Kendall, good morning. Thank you for joining us. And, again, congratulations on your decision to follow in the footsteps uh, in the, with, a, with your family. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, Kendall, I wanted to ask you really quickly, uh, how big a role did uh, Levi play in your recruiting process, I guess, in kind of advising you on how to handle everything? You know, he actually played a huge role. You know, uh, he told me to stay focused and uh, stay humble. So, you know, he said keep working and never, never stop working because when you're not working, somebody else is trying to get better than you. So, you know, he played a huge role in this recruiting process. And I know you saw him have a lot of success on both on and off the court and uh He's uh, someone I know you definitely look up to and emulate, and uh, you're trying to going to be trying to do the same thing and have the same kind of impact as a student athlete he did. Uh, but also, uh, people must remember too your brother Roderick, your uh, your older brother, is at Alabama A&M as a tight end. He had a very good career for Kevin Rose as well. Uh, kind of what what was his part in this uh, in, in in your recruitment? You know, Roger Roger's like my best friend. Uh, you know, through the whole process, he's right there beside me. Uh, you know, cheering me on, uh, also telling me to stay focused in the class and uh, also stay focused on the field and, you know, not worrying about things. So, you know, they're both huge impacts um, in this uh, recruiting process. Yeah, and they both uh, have handled everything with such class. And I know your family, uh, your your father played uh, at Cortland High School and also uh, played some college basketball. What 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 is your what was your family's advice to you as you you know your career started to develop and then uh, universities started to become interested in you as a student athlete? Uh, 
So, you know, my my dad and mom both both say the same thing. Uh, you know, when you get there, you have to work. You know, uh, so you know, basically, they they just stayed by my side and and told told me to just basically stay focused. So that that was both of my my parents and my brothers' um, uh, things to tell me. So yeah, and then uh, I know as a prospect, I was reading up on some of your reaction following the commitment and uh, your career at Bob Jones really started to take off going into your sophomore season. Uh, A great friend of the show who will be on later with us in their third hour, uh, William Barger, saw your film uh, after your 10th grade season and was just marveling at your athleticism and ability and saying you would be a a top 10 uh, player in the state of Alabama, probably top five and be a big-time prospect. When in your mind did you start feeling like you had a chance to uh, play college football? Uh, definitely my sophomore year. Uh, you know, my sophomore year, I feel like I got after it uh, harder than I ever have. Because uh, my freshman year, I was really hungry for uh, playing playing time. I had a senior uh, playing in front of me that I always thought I could play in front of. But, you know, uh, I guess it was seniority or something like that. But, you know, I, put, I worked harder. Uh, my freshman year, sophomore year, than I ever have, just because I want to, I had something to prove, and, and you know, so uh, playing in the games, uh, you know, I had to, I just had to take care of business, and I feel like I did. And then, uh, and talk about how you've been kind of developed. What is your current height and weight, uh, Kendall? Uh, I'm six five, two ninety right now. And and I gotta say, I've watched you play uh, last year and as a sophomore, and. Uh, you are six five two ninety, but you really carry that weight well. Uh, and I know uh, Alabama did not take you for granted in the recruiting process, and knowing that, of course, your brother was a great basketball player at Alabama. Uh, just kind of talk about uh, how they approached your recruitment. You know, uh, I, I had a great relationship with uh, with the coaches, uh, Coach Keith and mm-hmm. Coach Cristobal. Uh, so both of them, I have a great relationship with both of them. You know, I feel like uh, I can talk to them about anything, football-related or not. So that's the one thing that really stood out uh, about, you know, the University of Alabama. Also, um, my, my family has a great relationship with the academic departments and stuff. Mm. So, yes. Yeah. So we, I feel like we just fit in perfectly. And then kind of talk about, did your recruitment, did the dynamic change at all when Brent Key came in? Yeah. Uh, you know, when Coach Key came in, you know, first I – you know, I didn't really uh, know him as well, but then I got down there and spent a lot of uh, time with him. And, you know, uh, it just fit in perfectly. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, and then, uh, and, and of course, Mario Cristobal has now been there uh, several seasons and done a great job restocking that offensive line covered. Uh, I know you got to know him first and foremost uh, before Coach Key came in. What is your relationship like with Mario Cristobal? Uh, me and Chris Crystal have a good relationship. I remember when I first came in, uh, we talked a whole lot. And, you know, I think he's now the tight ends coach. And, uh, so I, I really spend most time with Coach Keyhouse. Mm-hmm. And and have I know you're one of the things that Alabama's coaching staff likes a lot about you, Kendall, is your versatility and the way they project you in college. Do you have a preference on where you want to play uh, in the SEC on the college level? Or, or is it somewhere where you're just going to play where they where you can help the team? No, well, yeah, this is how I feel. I feel like uh, wherever a coach needs me to play, uh, I feel like I can get the job done. If that's on offense, on defense, guard, tackle, center, anywhere you need me, I, I'm gonna. I promise myself that I'm gonna 
work and get the job done. And then at Alabama's camp, so where did they work you most? What position? Uh, well, uh, I usually in, in the camp I play guard attack. Oh, you did play both, so they've kind of told you you were a combo guy, and that could make you very valuable uh, down the uh, road, Kendall, if you can play multiple positions. I know uh, it could also help you uh, on the next level if you, if you should be fortunate enough uh, to continue to develop and go to the NFL. Barrett Jones uh, was able to do that at Alabama and, uh, of course, is still in the National Football League. And much like you're, uh, you're, you're going to be following his footsteps, he was also a great academic uh, uh, academician and had a, a many accolades. What are you most looking forward to on, on the next level at Alabama? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, playing, you know, playing and, uh, you know, working and, and going to school there. Uh, I have a lot of friends, um, going to the University of Alabama and, you know, it'd be great to be able to also go to school there with them and also do the thing I love to play football. And, uh, I know, uh, you told our, our own Daniel Boyette, another good friend of talking ball that, uh, you, you know, growing up when you were in middle school, you never really envisioned yourself uh, playing at college football in the SEC. Uh, how is it kind of surreal to you now that you've committed to Alabama? Has it sunk in? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, you know, I feel like uh, you know, coming into my well at the end of my sophomore year, I knew I noticed I had a chance. Cause, uh, I was, I think I was six three and two two sixty, but um, my dad. Uh, put some weight on me, and I kept on working. And I guess uh, it was a great outcome. So. And then, and, and talk about the other schools that were involved in your recruitment. I think everyone felt like Alabama had a very good chance of signing you, but you did take your trips. You did enjoy the process. Uh, what other? What was your other list of final schools? You know, honestly, uh, it was. It came down to Alabama, but Auburn, and NC. Uh, I think I had a great relationship with all the coaches there, but. I stayed, I prayed, and, and I, I talked to my parents, and I guess we found the best school that uh, fits me. Yeah, and I know you're very excited about that. And now to transition to your senior season, uh, a lot of guys returning for this Bob Jones team. Uh, we talked to Coach Rose about this yesterday, and he and uh, a chance to play in a, in a big-time opener against one of the best teams in the southeast in Dorman, South Carolina, on your home field at Madison City School Stadium. How excited are you and the and your squad about getting the chance to uh, test yourself against such an outstanding opponent? Well, I'm pumped. You know, I it's been a long time since I've been able to step on the field. You know, since I came back from my shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm I am hyped, and uh, I feel like we have one of the strongest O lines that we've had in the previous years. Uh, we have three return, well, four returning seniors. Well, three returning seniors, and then we just added a senior in the transfer from Grissom High School. And he has great size and he's athletic and he can move. Also, we have a uh, a junior senior that's coming up, and I feel like he's uh, just as powerful as all. And you know, I I think we as a group we're all bought in to the system, and I feel like we'll run the ball well, we'll pass the ball well because you know we want it, we want it more than ever this year. And then on the defense side of the ball, I think we're strong also. So it's doing a great year.
uh, and then uh, and talk about that. So many uh, your offense was I thought very prolific last year. You've got Brady Polson back, who Coach Rose believes is the best quarterback during his time at Bob Jones. And there's been some very productive ones, and then a lot of skill position talent uh, back uh, for you, your team, uh, Kendall. A lot of explosiveness. Really liked your receiver group last year, and most of those guys are back as well. It's got to be exciting uh, to get practice underway, and then the 19th uh, get it all started off. Yeah, uh, you know, we, our backs, we got Brady, uh, Brad Anderson, um, probably one of the most explosive backs in the 7A right now, I believe. And then we also have McCoy Stewart, one of the, that probably has the best hands. Um, I feel like he has one of the best hands um, in Alabama right now. Um, and I feel like, you know, we're just going to be a, uh, a real pro- uh, productive offense. You know, on the defense side of the ball, our linebackers are very, very strong. We have an upcoming uh, junior, K. Kohler. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know really powerful. I believe uh, uh, I, he's probably the strongest person on the team. Honestly, uh, defensive wise, like defensive line wise, uh, I feel like going to be uh, hard to stop. I mean, they're, it's going to be hard for anyone to rush the ball because um, we're really powerful there. So uh, it's going to be it's just going to be awesome here. And then talk about being able to play last year. You showed a lot of toughness. Uh, with that torn labor and playing with it most, if not the whole season a year ago, not missing a snap. And Coach Rose is very complimentary of you. That what did playing with that injury teach you, Kendall? You know, uh, I told my labor maybe week two of the season, and you know, it just t- taught me toughness and just you know, you can't give up because you know, if it's like you have you have something to prove, the team if, the team needed me, so I just had to you know toughen up and just play through it. Um, you know, I've tried. I've, I tried to put braces on. It, it popped out. Um, I did. I did everything I could. It just kept on popping out. But um, you know, I, uh, every time it popped out, I just uh, get off to the sideline and uh, they'll pop it back in. I, I always try to do some push-ups or something to get the strength back. But you know, sometimes it didn't really work well. But I, I had to get back out there. And uh, that shows that that shows so much as far as being a leader. And then. Uh, talk about uh, being a part of this Alabama class. Uh, your O-line group, uh, many people believe, uh, could end up being the best of the Nick Saban era assigned uh, on paper. That's saying a lot. Uh, and, of course, the picture kind of went viral of you at the, when, at the last time you were in Al- at the Alabama camp in late July, uh, and you were standing next to Isaiah Wilson. And you are a big man, Kendall, but Isaiah Wilson – Wow. Uh, just kind of talk about uh, the, your relationship with him and some of these other guys that are in your O-line group. You know, uh, I, listen, I spent, I stayed in Tuscaloosa from Wednesday to Saturday. You know, that was a great experience. And actually to, you know, feel like I'm actually part of the team and roam around like I'm part of the team. Um, Isaiah came down, I think, late um, Thursday. Um, you know, I talked to him a while. got to know him. And, you know, I feel like, um, well, you know, I'm just trying to, Really, I'm 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 trying to get him a part of the squad. Um, uh, I think it's going to hopefully turn out well. Uh, you know, we uh, added uh, Alex Leatherwood, so he's really uh, he's all, he already bought in. And you know, I feel like uh, Alabama's old line class that's coming in is going to be really strong. Um, so yeah. And then finally, uh, last couple of questions for you, Kendall. Uh, we talked to Coach Rose about it on, on a few occasions during these months leading up uh, in the off season. 
but ha- and I know you got a chance to do that co- commitment video with him yesterday, uh, this past Sunday that y'all released it. I thought it was very well done with Kyrie McDonald. But uh, how how much are you looking forward to that week three matchup with James Clemens? I was telling Coach yesterday that may set some attendance records that uh, may not be broken for a long time. <laughs> I am I am pumped. Uh, you know, me and Kyrie got to play. Me, Kyrie, and LeBron played football together since we were probably six years old. Uh, we went on to play at Discovery uh, Middle School for uh, two years, and then also, and then um, we all split up. And they went to James Combs, I went to Bob Jones. But um, you know, every year they seem like they get closer and closer to you know um, beating us. But I, this year, I feel like it's going to be a great matchup, and our offense is strong enough, and powerful enough that it won't be cold, hopefully. And uh, you know, we, we're just excited. I think that, uh, hopefully that's going to be the game of the year. Yeah, I think it will. I, I was telling yeah. Coach Rose, people might want to get there about three hours early if you want to be able to see anything uh, as far as it, it'll be so crowded. But uh, And finally, uh, I, you know, I, we had one of our listeners that wanted me to ask you this. Uh, there's, the, the, It's not over yet for the Randolph family. Uh, tell our listeners about your uh, little brother and uh, and how big an Alabama fan he is. Yeah, Alex Randolph, uh, oh, my gosh. He, <laughs> he um. He's probably the biggest Alabama fan in the house. Uh, he goes to every every game, basketball, football, um, anything. Um, but you know, one thing he's scared of he, he's really scared of Big Al. We're trying to get that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he doesn't like mascots, but you know, uh, he's probably uh, my biggest fan. My brother's biggest fan. You know, we're his biggest fans when he comes to playing sports. Uh, he plays baseball right now. He starts football in the next two years. And that's one next year. So, you know, uh, in our family, we're always there for each other, and, and I'm glad that he's always there for us. So, well, that's a great story, Kendall. We want to thank you for joining us. That continued success. We look forward to seeing you on the gridiron for your senior season. Stay healthy, and thank you for joining Talking Ball. And do you have a message for the Alabama fans? That and that was Kendall Randolph Thomas. Uh, outstanding conversation about that young man from Bob Jones High School. He's probably going to project inside at guard for the Tide, 6'5", 290 pounds. Very well put soft and tackle. Probably could even play some center if needed, but very versatile, very intelligent, and a low-risk uh, young man who should be a quality addition to the Tide. Definitely. And uh, the thing that jumped out at me most when I listened to the audio before the show and just now again, he played through a torn labrum. I don't even want to think about tearing my labrum at all, let alone going and playing football with it. That that is in that is just crazy to me. So I, I have to say I was pretty excited when I, when I heard that story. And he seems like again, having just listened to the audio, haven't ever interacted with the young man. Seems like a good kid. We know if he's anything like his brother, he's, he's going to be you know a great young man, a great representative at the University of Alabama. So. I have no complaints, and I wish him luck. Now, I will say, having heard about this this uh, James Clemens Bob Jones game, <laughs> it's kind of like like the, the the six angles of this game throughout the show tonight. I, I I might have to try and find a stream and watch this high school football game because it, it seems like the hype is already off the charts, and the doggone thing is still a month away. <laughs> well, yeah, and we got to remember your alma mater is the champion. Until someone beats them in 7A, 
and Miguel Tulin's had a very good summer. They are Looks stupid good. loaded too. Yeah, they, uh, they they've had a you know they've had uh, they've been uh, very impressive in the seven on seven against Hoover and the like, and uh, they will definitely be the chance someone here some Bill Mason's junior season. So they've got another young sophomore that like it tailback, and and they have to replace Heath Birchfield. Their quarterback, who took almost every snap in the history of the program until he got injured near the end of last year. So they've got a couple guys competing. Bob Jones has their whole offense back. As Kendall said, they're very explosive. They haven't been nearly as good defensively uh, as James Clemens, but we'll see how they do on that side of the football. The running joke always is, though, they used to be all going to the same school at Bob Jones. If they were, uh, they might be a runaway train, even over McGill Tulin, to be number one in the state. Yeah, uh, I think given given the description of those two schools, I could buy that. I just it's interesting how loaded McGill is because you know, to Matt Zenit's credit over at AL.com, it's like another McGill Tulin kid commits, and and I, I I didn't realize they were that loaded, but obviously I've just missed the bus on that. <laughs> ben Thomas does a great job or, in your reasoning. Ben Thomas, I apologize. I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah, don't, he, don't yell he, at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ben's a good friend of mine. Been on my show on the Talking Ball couple a few times and he does a great job for al.com covering uh the mobile region and uh they yeah and mcgill is loaded uh, they have of course the marlon williams kid committed to southern cal the wide receiver i saw him play basketball and, and uh, they're hoping to continue to build on it under coach caleb ross he's done an outstanding job and what in, in replacing bart sessions who had built the program up uh, but they really haven't missed a beat since he took over that's absolutely right, and uh, we'll see. It's going to be a fun football season. I know that you know, Bob Jones and all those, it's going to be a heck of a football game, but there's going to be some pretty good games down here in Mobile. So if oh. I'm if I'm not traveling to Tuscaloosa, there's going to be plenty for me to watch down in this area. Well, and here's the thing, that, that Bob Jones-James Clemens game, is it's, it's so tough, Thomas, because last year, as everyone knows, I went to Dallas, Texas for Alabama and Wisconsin for the Jerry Dome. And this year they're playing the Southern California Trojans. And, uh, man, and I went down on a Thursday, spent all Friday in Dallas, and then went to the game. Well, guess what? That Friday night this year on September the 2nd is Bob Jones, James Clemens. And I'm not sure that I can miss that this year. Uh, that, that game is one that I think, is, as you said, wanted to find an Internet feed. It's going to set some attendance records in my area, and I'd like to be known as someone that was there. I think it's going to be a heck of a football game, two of the better teams in the state of Alabama, and we'll know how good each of them are early before they play each other, Thomas, because uh, Bob Jones opens against Dorman, South Carolina, in a real game August the 19th. It's not a jamboree. They're playing them at Madison City School Stadium, and then you're going to see, as we already talked with Coach Rinks tonight, uh, in their first game, uh, real game after the Jamboree against Decatur, you're going to see James Clemens High School uh, play on the road against Gardendale against a very good Rocket team from Coach Matt Plunkett. So we'll, we'll know if these teams are living up to the hype before they play each other. Yeah, I have to admit, Drew, I didn't realize, or maybe I just missed, that's when the game's going to be played because I will be traveling to Dallas. So Yeah, there you go. So you, you will be. You'll, you'll, have to, you'll have to try to watch the Internet feed from there and uh 
I know, uh, I, and I guess Thomas, uh, I, I'm going to ask, or will you be covering the game uh, for Touchdown Alabama, or will you be going as a fan? No, I'm I'm happy to go as a fan. I I, I ever since my girlfriend Ashley decided that baseball was cool and I should go to games with her, the idea of being able to drink a beer and watch a game live has um has a certain allure to it. And uh, so if you can do that and watch Alabama football and it's legal and you're not going to get kicked out of the stadium for sneaking something in, I'm going to take advantage of that. And, I mean, I'm perfectly happy with it. My dad was nice enough to uh, buy tickets for both my mom, him and my mom and then Ashley and I. So it's going to be a uh, fearsome foursome of Crimson Tide fans yelling our heads off uh, that, that, that evening because kick is late as hell. It's going to be a long night for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was last year a little bit as well. I remember getting there and just taking it all in. And, man, uh, and you were there also. Uh, I know we tried to hook up uh, in the Jerry Dome, but it's such a massive place. Uh, it was hard to do, uh, and I, it was my first time there, so I sure didn't know my way around. But I, the one thing I'll give Jerry credit for, he has such a big payroll, you ain't got to worry about getting lost because there's somebody around every corner uh, that can help you return to where you need to be. Certainly. And, and you know, Drew, let, let's get back to Alabama real fast. And, sure. You know, one of the things that we brought up but we didn't get a chance to talk about because the the – first part of the show was such a, such a mess with lag. What are the two polls that came out? And I hadn't seen Heather Denich take a shot at Alabama. It doesn't really surprise me that she does. But I guess to something like that kind of shot taking, why not Alabama? If it's not Alabama, the only other arguments are like, Clemson, Florida State, and LSU, in my mind. So, you know, what, what was your reaction as you saw those polls come out? And then I'm going to really get you going on the AP all top 100 team thing that we both go, got driven nuts on. But what was your reaction to the well, Alabama polls? Well, I saw the uh, the, uh, the the tweet uh, that was kind of a uh, uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry, Thomas. Well, what, what you know, my reaction was, I mean, I I, I wasn't surprised. I, the media, you know, takes you know. Uh, that, that, that's the way they get their quicks, taking a shot at Alabama. I wasn't surprised, per se, that Alabama was ranked number one because I think some, and, and of course these are coaches that are voting in this poll, by the way, uh, in the coaches' poll. Some, I mean, that's just the way uh, they are finally realizing uh, that the University of Alabama is uh, – you know, is, is so consistent in what they do. They're finally giving them the credit they deserve. I mean, and uh, even some coaches, of course, would say it puts a, a, a target on your back. But the thing that I've always marveled about with Coach Saban is he's been able to keep this team focused for the most part. And they might have a hiccup during the regular season, uh, but then that quickly dissipates and they uh, end up, uh, you know, uh, performing at the level you would, uh, you would think. And they, and they stay right in the mix of uh, the national championship race. The only time that I've ever picked against them, boy, that I make a mistake last year was I thought after they lost to Ole Miss, that was going to linger and we would see, uh, we would see them uh, fall out of contention after the Georgia game. But we all know what the Georgia game was last year. It was a systematic beat down that all it, all it did was in the career of Mark Richt and, uh, and, and really uh, send a signal uh, to the rest of college football 
that Alabama was here to stay and that we're going nowhere. And you already kind of referenced that earlier in the show. Right. And that game, I know that looking back, I've got all those shows on archive. There was a lot of trepidation, a whole lot of trepidation, but that was, that was a whooping. And uh, we might see a few more of those this year. I really, I really like where Jeremy Pruitt's taking the team. And uh, in terms of the defense, I think it's going to be a really salty group. And, Again, it is a preseason poll, and I think Alabama deserves credit because, like you referenced earlier in the show, Andy Staples said, well, they keep winning these national championships. When are we going to give them the nod, essentially? But you know, the other thing I wanted to pick your brain about, and uh, before, before we jump into this topic, I will say that, Drew, we're going to give you a quick hat tip. You managed to secure Mark Burnett from uh, SEC Country. He'll be coming on at the back end of the show to get his impressions from uh, fall camp. But uh, before we do that, I know that you'd mentioned this to me off the air, but uh, I think it bothered both of us in, let's just say, in a fairly extreme way. Uh, The all-time best football team poll that the AP put out earlier this this week, this year. I'm just going to give you the floor because this one, this, this is, this seems like a tar baby, but it's going to be fun to hit. Well, yeah. And I, and before that, I wanted to say what you were referencing to, and I just, uh, yeah, saw this on Twitter. Uh, what I was talking about with uh, with Mark Burnett it was this is what Heather Dennett said uh, earlier today. Heather Dennett, I don't understand the logic in putting Bama number one right now. I have Ellis. They have this uh, take Brandon Harris on Alabama's football team right now. He may come around this year and surprise me, but I haven't heard flattering things uh, from this summer. So Heather Dennett, that's her, that's her MO, though. She took shots at Alabama the whole year last year and looked like a moron, okay? And, and uh, basically didn't think they were going to win the national championship the whole season, uh, picked against Alabama whenever she'd wanted. She was basically a female Colin Cowherd, for a better, uh, for uh, lack of a better term. Didn't have a whole lot of respect for her knowledge, still don't. And, uh, you know, I, I just – I thought, yeah, once again, you know, and she may be right. And uh, sometimes even a, uh, a blind squirrel will find an acorn every now and then about Alabama this year. Uh, but, you know, Florida State, they, I think they're very talented also. But they still have a, a little bit of a quarterback issue. In uh, OU, they lost some talent on defense. But they, uh, I can see that uh, with Baker Mayfield coming back in Clemson, of course. But Clemson did lose, Thomas, nine starters on defense. So it's going to be in interesting to see how quickly they kind of uh, mesh. Right. I think if there's one thing to pull out of what you just said, every team has warts. And I want to hit on LSU real quick, because I think that that one, that that team really, really confuses me. If you look at them on paper, this is the best team that Les Miles has had, pure talent-wise, since that 2011 team that Buzz sawed their season with the notable exception of the two games against Alabama. But this is a fantastically talented team. So you think they'd be a contender, and you put that into the fact that, you know, Les Miles has said, we're going to open up the offense. We're going to, you know, da 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 da. We're going to change stuff. And, and then I, I call up some friends who are LSU folks, and I, maybe I got the wrong impression here, but I got the distinct impression that the we're going to change it up vibe that came out of LSU, you know, in the, you know, we saw it in the spring game where they threw the ball around the yard, but 
that's kind of going to the wayside, and we're going to get the same old Leonard Fournette or bust LSU, and I just don't think that's going to work. I didn't work last year, yes, to to LSU's detriment. They ran into an Alabama team that was so perfectly built to stop Leonard Fournette, it was almost hilarious. Then you watched what Arkansas did to him. Arkansas, the very next week, if you remember, beat the ever-living mess out of LSU, and they did it in Death Valley at night. So I, I, I'm I'm reluctant to jump on the old, the Ole Miss train. I really, really like Florida State. I think that's probably the one that's got the best argument to be number one. But again, every team has warts, and the whole point of these polls is to do exactly what we're doing a point to talk about and a point to build hype. We're not going to know about it until these teams strap it up and play a couple of games. So it's a good time. I I can't get bent out of shape about it, but I think, I think there's some very painfully flawed reasoning with a couple of the things that Miss Dinich said. Yeah. And I I completely agree, Thomas. I just, I I didn't agree uh, with any of it at all. I just, you know, I thought that honestly uh, that uh, she's assuming a lot, but like Andy Staples said, but they just keep winning national titles. Uh, that's why um, that's why uh, they uh, they continue to uh, set the standard in college football. And I mean, I, I after uh, last year, I just thought it was Nick Saban's best coaching job. I thought it was tremendous, uh, and. Uh, and and uh, and I just really they, that I mean, well, I think they should be the uh, the the uh, the uh, the standard bearer in the Big Ten over Ohio State. I know lately Ohio State has had their way with Michigan, but I think uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to have something to do with that uh, and change things. I know he the, the chapter one didn't go well in the Big House, but he's going to be a thorn in the side of Urban Meyer. But having Alabama fourth after what they've done this decade and what they since 1920 I thought was a slap in the face and having Ohio State who's won a couple in the last 10 years plus uh, but really hadn't done anything before that since the 60s I thought was just frankly I thought it was embarrassing well I could see that and just briefly with the all-time AP stuff when it came out my first thought is it is very very hard to come up with objective criteria for something that is subjective. I, I don't think you can have – it takes a lot more metrics than the AP pulled together to really come up with a decent list. But once I moved past that, I realized this thing is fundamentally flawed. I sat down and I looked at what they actually used. And one of the key components that the AP used was number of weeks atop the AP poll. Yes. And, and let me just – let me be perfectly frank. I do not give a fig about the number one team in week one, week two, week three, or any other week, with the notable exception of the number one team in the last week. So I thought that really broke it. And given the longevity of what they're using, something that I think a lot of people don't seem to grasp or have conveniently forgotten if you weren't Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, or US, USC or Texas, you weren't on television, for one. Nope. You might not have been on television at all because television wasn't a thing. So you're listening to games on the radio and you're reading box scores you know, 
24-48, 72 hours after the end of the game, to try and make votes for a poll. And even my describing it, if that doesn't jump out at you as completely insane and flawed, well, I mean, come on, guys. So I, I, just, I think it was really, really flawed. I, I, I think that an editor really didn't do himself or his readers much justice with this. Because it was just bad. It was flawed from the start. They could have saved it in a couple of key points if their metrics had made more sense. But the metrics that they chose made the situation worse. And after I read it once, I was like, okay, whatever. This is, this is silly, and I'm just going to shrug my shoulders. But I absolutely understand a lot of the consternation that has come out. Because with the notable exception, the same reason the polls to get people talking about football – even doing that, I don't think they did a good job because it was so fundamentally busted. But that's just me. Yeah, and of course, they only recognize that Alabama is 10, with 10 championships because, I guess, they're talking about AP championships. But uh, to me, that's what it's got to come down to. It's got to come down to the rings and where you uh, landed uh, you know, uh, and where you finished. And I don't think they, uh, they did that well enough because I just really think Alabama – in Southern California, of course, they've only given Southern Cal five AP championships, uh, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I just really believe they they kind of dropped the ball. And any and a formula, if you have a certain formula, it can manipulate numbers. And I guess that's what they did. But it really kind of got under my skin a little bit. And uh, I just really and I, of course, I voiced my displeasure on a couple other programs. But uh, I just really I felt like it was a joke. And Ohio State's got a lot of tradition, but to say they have the tradition of Alabama, that's ridiculous. I mean, they just really don't. And Urban Meyer's done a great job of getting their program recranked. Jim Trestle uh, did a nice job. But uh, they, they, have, they just don't have the championships uh, that Alabama does. And to me, I just don't think the Big Ten as a league is, uh, is uh, very, that, that good. But we're going to shelve that talk for a minute. And for the last few minutes of the show, uh, he's fresh off dinner. Uh, we want to thank him for taking the last few minutes of BAM's radio to join us. It's been a while since we've spoken with him. Uh, he's now with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's SEC country. Uh, you can follow him at Mark underscore Burnett, and that is Mr. Mark Burnett. Mark, how are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Mark, I really uh, thank you. I appreciate you joining us. Give us your take a little bit uh, on the first day of camp. I think we just lost Drew for a second. Mark, what were this is Thomas? What were your first impressions from day one of camp? We have the, our servers are being a little laggy, but what was your impressions? What you saw in the field today? Oh yeah, you know a lot of a lot of good things. You know a lot of guys flying around. You know you've seen the freshmen sort of mixed in and uh, you know getting getting their reps. You know see a lot of freshmen towards the back of the line, but that's to be expected with camp. Uh, you know guys flying around and different things like that. So. Yeah, a lot of good things. A lot of the veteran saw a lot of veteran leadership guys stepping up and showing the freshmen how to do drills and different things like that. So, a lot of positive signs from uh, for day one. And I know Nick Saban spoke briefly about Alphonse Taylor. Where was he? Like, where is he fitting in? Like through the little bit that you were able to. Yeah, right. As of right now, you know he's still he's practicing with the team, but he's still not one hundred percent cleared. So. You know, I think eventually he'll he'll get back on the right foot. You know that that's that's with you know if you're thinking that the the young guys won't completely supplant him uh, at that right guard spot, uh, but I think he'll eventually get back on the right foot. It's just going to be a matter of you know continuing to do everything that 
that the coaching staff is asking him to do. I think he's on the right track to doing those things. But Saban said tonight that he hasn't made a decision on what his status is going to be for the the uh, season opener. So that'll be something to monitor here in the next couple of weeks uh, with Taylor going forward. Certainly. And, uh, you know, I- I'm going to ask this question to you, and it's only going to be the 10,000th time that, uh, that you have heard this. So you can jump through Twitter and choke me out after, and I won't even blame you. But what were your impressions of the quarterbacks? You know, that, that's going to be the, the storyline going forward. What did you see from them in that brief media viewing period? Yeah, not, not a ton. You know, this is the first day. I think, you know, it's based how it's been in the past, you know, seniority. Uh, Cooper Bateman is first up in line and followed by David Cornwell, Blake Barnett, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, I think people – <clears throat> may need to prepare themselves for Cooper Bateman as a starting quarterback. You know, obviously a lot can change between now and, and a month from now when they open the season uh, against USC. But I just think unless somebody does something, you know, spectacular, I think the Bateman is probably going to hold on to the job. You know, I think he's an experienced guy, talented guy, can do a little bit of everything. You know, I think he can do some things with his, with his uh, athleticism. He's got multiple years of experience in the system with both Wayne Kiffin and Bob Raven. So I think I think all those things are important. I think I wouldn't be shocked if Bateman was the starter from day one. And yeah, Mark, I'm back with you. Sorry, we had a couple of technical issues, but you were talking about Cooper Bateman uh, starting from day one. I know you guys didn't get a chance to see uh, much of the QBs. Did you take anything out of it? Uh, I know it's hard to. T- on the first day with the groupings, but I saw where it was Cooper Bayman and uh, Blake Barnett and then Jalen Hurts and uh, David Cornwell. Yeah, the way they do it is basically by seniority. So, you know, Bayman was – when they were all four working uh, in a line, it was Bateman first, followed by Cornwell, then Barnett, and then uh, Hurts. And then after that, they break off into two groups, and then Bateman will be for one line, followed by Hurts, and then it will be uh, Barnett and Bateman, I'm sorry, Barnett and uh, Cornwell on the other line. Uh, but Nick Saban came out tonight and said that Cornwell's been dealing with a little bit of foot injury, which has sort of, you know, been limited to, limited to him. I think that's going to be a, a problem going forward. If he, he can't stay healthy, um, it's going to be tough to, to stick in the competition. And I wanted to ask you about the running backs, too. Bo Scarborough uh, was sidelined a little bit today, sounded like by some cramps uh, when you guys were watching the media viewing period. Uh, just talk about the other three backs and uh, did, how did they look physically to you? Yeah, I mean, all three are impressive, you know, in, in, in sort of different ways. Uh, you know, I think um, Harris and, and uh, Joshua Jacobs are more, you know, change of pace type backs, you know, can, can be quick guys, make some moves and everything like that. Uh, B.J. Emmons, he looks like a guy who does everything. Man. He's, a, he's an impressive-looking kid. I, I think he can be uh, – you know, I don't know if it will be this year, but I think in the future – he could definitely be sort of a bell cow type of guy. I think he's got some explosiveness. He's got good speed. And, uh, you know, as long as he continues to learn how to block and catch out of the back, I think he can be really good. And then uh, the offensive line, uh, it's going to be closely watched throughout the preseason camp. Cam Robinson looks like he will uh, be eligible, barring anything unforeseen for Southern California. We in uh, Shank Taylor did practice, Coach Saban saying, uh, that uh, he had some news regarding him that his suspension uh, he, he's gone through quite a bit hasn't made up his mind I don't think if he will be 
uh, you know, uh, suiting up for Southern Cal. But uh, just kind of talk about the O-line and what you saw there. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, with, with Shank, I think he's got a lot to do uh, in terms of, you know, getting back on Nick Saban's good side and, and sort of doing everything he needs to do off the field. Uh, I think he'll eventually get everything figured out. Uh, but it's just going to be a matter of whether or not, you know, if, when he does get everything figured out, can he, can he battle back and take his spot from some of the young guys like Brandon Kennedy and uh, Dallas Warmack. So it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for him, but I think the senior experience will ultimately help him win out. Uh, yeah, Cam Robinson, he's going to be right there, um, you know, ready to sort of take over and uh, at the left tackle spot. I think he, you know, I don't think there's any question that he'll be, you know, the starting left tackle this this season. And Mark, you know, right when the interview started, you mentioned one of the things you saw is young guys flying around on the first day of camp. You know, did any of the the newer the players that are just getting on camp, you know, or obviously they've just been on for the summer semesters, did any of them stand out to you? Yeah, two of the inside linebackers stood out, uh, Ben Davis and Mac Wilson. Both look like impressive prospects, you know. Two guys who could possibly contribute, uh, if not this year, definitely uh, in, the, in the next year. You know, I think both of those guys are, you know, are in the mold of uh, great Alabama linebackers. Um, you know, good size, good speed, you know, both physical, not afraid of contact, and things like that. And another guy who stood out just from his sheer size was Raekwon Davis. I mean, look at this kid over there with the defensive lineman. He's six seven. He's bigger than all the defensive linemen, which is saying something as a true freshman. So this this kid definitely looks impressive, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how he sort of grows and develops. And Mark, I was uh, marveling at that picture you took as well. Six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pounds. Raekwon Davis already a full grown man. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he wins that appeal and if he's on the field as a freshman or if he has to take that academic red shirt, uh, but uh, also uh, just what were some of your other observations from day one? Maybe if either reading the mood of Nick Saban and kind of where he thinks this team in to start. Yeah, I think, you know, I think he likes this team so far, you know, coming off the summer. Uh, you got a lot of good pieces there. I think they got a chance to, to make a deep run in the season. Uh, you know, I w- it wouldn't shock me at all if Alabama's right back there in the playoffs and looking at what they have. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, getting things to bounce the right way, getting everybody to sort of get on the same page and getting that chemistry, you know, figuring out some of those little things like a quarterback and, you know, settling on the offensive line and, and developing a little bit more defensive back depth. I think they, they're going to be right there again. And, and, you know, Mark, you mentioned the couple of young linebackers that look really good as prospects. Of the returning linebackers, you know, did any of those guys stand out first or is it just same old, same old as Alabama tries to replace Reggie Ragland? Yeah, I think the guys over at inside linebackers are going to be Ruben Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton. And then, you know, after that, you know, some guys like Rashawn Evans and, and Keith Holcomb are going to be uh, fighting for reps. So, you know, a ton of talent over there. And it wouldn't shock me at all if one of the true freshmen I talked about earlier, Mac Wilson or uh, – or uh, Ben Davis was were able to, you know, eventually work their way into the rotation. So Alabama got a ton of talent on both sides of the ball, as, as always. And, and, you know, just jumping back to offense, obviously Alabama has seen Dalen Charlotte leave, and, you know, you, you see a log jam at wide receiver. Even with Charlotte leaving – did you see anybody there just in your brief viewing period that jumped out at you? You know, obviously we expect Calvin Ridley to be spectacular, but 
you know, and particularly, how did somebody like Rob Foster look who's still coming off that injury from last year? Yeah, I made the case that I think Foster is going to be uh, one of the breakout players this year. Uh, you know, I, I think I think he was on his way to having a huge year last year before the injury. And I think now being healthy, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to have a monster season. You know, teams are probably going to pay a lot of attention to Ridley and uh, O.J. Howard, and, and rightfully so. But I think uh, Foster could take advantage of some some one-on-one matchups and some, some a little bit lighter coverage. And I think he, he could have a huge season. Well. That, that's some great stuff, Mark. Our show actually is about to end, so uh, I want it. Drew has dropped off. We had a bunch of technical issues, but thank you very much for taking the time with us this evening and uh, your firsthand uh, your firsthand glimpses of the football team were appreciated by both Drew and I as well as our listeners. Have a good evening. All right. That was uh, Mark Burnett with the SEC Country. If you want to see his stuff online, follow him at Mark underscore Burnett. He's been on the show a few times and uh, apologize to the listeners for some of the technical issues that we've had tonight. I'm going to go be a wizard and try and get those solved. But uh, for now, that is it for this episode of BAMS Radio. We will be back next week. Obviously, we'll be talking more fall camp. And uh, who knows what else is going to happen. In the past week, we've had the most Smith stuff come up, as well as the all-time AP poll shenanigans. But uh, that's it for this week. So for Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone, I am Thomas Watts from Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and I now am the uh, primary proprietor of BAMS Radio. Quickly. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.